What is going on? It's the Shy Town Pucks. Today we have a great episode for you. We have an interview with Chris Peters, who is an NHL writer with ESPN. We're going to talk a little bit of Blackhawks. We're going to talk about the World Juniors with him. We're going to get some insight on what he thought of some of the players playing on the Hawks now, back in the day when they were prospects. Um, but before we do that, we're also going to debate a little bit about Seabrook and if we think he's ever going to play a game in the NHL again. Um, before we jump into all of that, though, Kevin, how are you doing over there? Doing good, man. I've been working out this week or getting back at it since Christmas. I did legs two days ago, so know when you get like that good hurt where you like sit on a toilet and it hurts, like when you're at your when your butt is just real sore. That's when you know you got the glutes going. That's when you know you did some good legs. So I'm sure that's true, Kevin. Thank you for sharing that <laughs> with us. Um, Jordan, we're going to just get away from him. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Last week, um, with no hockey. So just one more week to go. I'm, I'm good, ready to go. How about you, Kyle? I'm in the same boat. I'm dude. We're, we're exactly seven days. No. Yeah. We're seven days out right now from NHL hockey. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Blackhawks will be playing their first game with fans, not here but their first game being away in Tampa will have, uh, I think it's 25% capacity or something like that. Yeah. So like 3,900 people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, we don't need to get in if we supported that or not, but the idea that there will be some fans at the first game that they play energy. Yeah. Energy in the crowd there. Um, but I'm ready. Like we're, we're down to less than a week when we wake up tomorrow and I just cannot wait. We'll see if I were a betting man, I would say we have no more Chicago bears football. By the time the Hawks drop the puck, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see us. You're not wrong. It's a nine and a half point spread. I was thinking about that today. It's a perfect transition. Perfect. For the Bears to end and the Hawks to start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, there's no laps besides the Bulls playing right now. We we talked about it last time for like two minutes, Kevin. The Bears lost their way into the playoffs. It's fantastic. It is fantastic, let alone their route to the Super Bowl is nuts. They have to go through like Drew Brees, probably Rodgers, and then Mahomes. So good luck. Let's do it, guys. Bills Packers. Calling it here. Bills Packers. Yeah. Josh Allen all the way. Win me a fantasy league. Let's let's get it all about that. I cannot pick against Mahomes until someone beats him. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see him. All year he's all year, dude. He has an outrageous stat of he's had a sixteen dropped interceptions. His interception rate should be sky high, but no one talks about it. You're talking about it. I am talking and about. Somebody it. must have talked about it. <laughs> Let alone hear he, about it. it. I heard reporters saying it last week. He's so playing to the level of his. No, they're saying he's been playing to the level of his opponent. So he hasn't really been like classic Mahomes knocking the game out of. Out of yes, that means he peaks in the Super Bowl, then, right? Yeah. That's how it'll work. Out. Not wrong. That's a good. They're not. That's a good wrong. boomerang take. So, Let, let's right. talk. Let's talk Seabrook, boys. So, Seabrook has not participated in training camp to this point. We're two days in, I believe. Right, two days in now. Um, so the question stands: Will Brent in. Seabrook three days in? Will Brent Seabrook play another NHL game? Go. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this first. Um, yes, I think he will. And I think the main reason is that he wants to continue playing. I I think that was the fact that he showed up to the the pre-bubble training camp 
um, before the playoffs last year, after the, after the, you know, first off season from March through, through July. Um, he showed up at the training camp to me, wanted to rehab, but he wants to continue his career. He's been vocal saying as much. Um, I do not think the Hawks will try to force him on LTIR um, for the rest of his career to be able to, you know, bury the cap after the first, bury his cap hit after the first day of the season. If they do, um, I, I think it would get ugly at that point. Um, you know, I could see him playing no more than 10 games this year. You know, maybe misses training camp. He'll have to take a month on his own. And then at that point, he's cycled in as the sixth, seventh defenseman. Um, you know, so honestly, I'd be surprised to see him play more than 15 games in 2021. But I do think his NHL career continues for at least a couple more years. I'm pretty close to you on that, on that note. I think the answer to the question is yes, he will play more. Um, he's done too much for the organization to, for them to do what you just mentioned, just be like, you're done. He's going to play some games. I don't think he's going to play a meaningful amount of games ever again in his career. I don't even think he'll play 15 games this year. Um, and I think that just diminishes very quickly into the next couple of years. I like, I, I've got it. Another question on you. If the Hawks, if Seabrook was willing to say, you know, I'm done playing, I'll keep collecting my paycheck, but I'm going to say my hips and shoulder have just ended my career and I have to go on long-term injured reserve. If he wanted that, do you think the Hawks would willingly go that route? You know, give him the Marion host treatment, the Chris Pronger, the Pavel Datsuk. Yes. Uh, not the, not saying those guys are not injured. Just see, and that that was going to be my take. I think this is going to be on his terms, if anything. He's well, going to be the one deciding if he's going to continue to try to play, or if he's he's either going to retire and he can't get that paycheck, or he's going to be able to say, "Hey, like I obviously can't do this, but I still want to." Boys, we're all on the same page. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> the answer to your question is yes. Jordan mentioned the same thing as you, Kevin. It's going to be somewhat on his terms. Like, yeah, he's his will and want to play is the reason that he will play again. You know, the Blackhawks aren't begging him he, to he fight trains. for this. But to answer your question in short, yeah, Jordan, I think they would do that if he asked for it. I don't think he's going to ask for that, though. No, I does not feel like we're even close no, to that. He's territory going to try to based compete. On what we've seen from him. I mean, some of the quotes we had from him last year when things were kind of looking ugly were very much like, you know, I'm still, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm not going to have the quote, but like very capable, very ready. I want to play. I want to be a part of an NHL team, stuff like that. Yeah, he said he still feels like he has a lot to offer for a yeah. team. I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Did he say he doesn't want to be a seventh defenseman or he feels like he, he can still contribute and not just be a seventh defenseman or something? I don't like think that. he mentioned he did specifics on that. When he was, okay. he could still contribute. Okay. Yeah, the staff okay. got healthy, scratched a couple games in a row early in the season. And oh, I don't yeah, think yes. it's been communicated to him up to his standards or Duncan Keith for that matter early in last season that caused a little bit of drama. So that was, that was pre-surgeries. But, um. Right now with, right now at Seabrook, a big thing is I know he trains so much in the off season, like a ridiculous, especially with age, he he's been eating too, but it was nice to see him. Uh, he was on the ice during uh right before the Hawks left to uh, the bubble this summer. So it was nice to see him like with the team, obviously he wasn't going to join the guys in the bubble and compete in the playoffs, but 
yeah, we're he's going to need some time and some reps, getting some solid training under his belt before we see him again. So you're kind of right with the the 15 game. It's it's not looking like too many games, but we're going to see him on the skates, hopefully. You know, my last come on this before we move on. Um, you know, maybe his best role to the Hawks isn't even uh, you know, his most valuable valuable role to the Hawks isn't on the ice. It's um, you know, being a Kirby Doc Chicago dad and babysitter and, you know, making sure the little guy gets to bed on time so he's ready for the big games. I mean, at this point, hell yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I, th- I think Seabrook's like biggest asset at this point is being a leader and helping Kirby go to sleep. I think you're totally right. Um, we're going to transition here though. <laughs> but the, be- the best part is they're both like coming back from injuries and still like, you know, they're still in that, he reads Kirby a, a good yeah. bedtime story every night, and Kirby <laughs> sleeps super well. <laughs> and, and you know that's true. Um, we're gonna we're gonna shift over though. So we have a super exciting interview here. We were um, we were lucky enough to be able to get Chris Peters on to talk with us about um, a bunch of different topics, ranging from the World Juniors to some of the NHL prospects on the Blackhawks um, to some wild hockey questions at the end about athletes from other sports. Um, Chris is a writer for ESPN, writing about NHL prospects, following the World Junior Tournament, writing about the NHL. Um, He's been doing this for over a decade. He's had his own blog at a time. He came up with um, USA Hockey and the development program. So he's extremely knowledgeable in the area. um, And we're super fortunate and and excited to be able to share this interview with you. So we hope you guys enjoy the listen. We're going to kick it over to that now. All right, Chris. Um, thank you so much for joining the show. For all the listeners out there, we have um, Chris Peters, uh, a staff writer for ESPN, writing about the NHL, NHL prospects, um, the NHL draft, and most recently covering the World Junior Tournament every single minute if you were following him on Twitter. So um, <laughs> super happy to have you here. Uh, really appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, tell us about how the last couple of days have been as the tournament wrapped up for you. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks a lot for having me, guys, and and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind. It always is when the, the World Juniors comes along. You know, normally I'd be there, um, covering the tournament on site, but this year uh, not possible. The U.S. media, really any media from outside of Canada that wasn't uh, part of the TV broadcast, was not allowed uh, to to enter Canada. Uh, so you know, I had to do it from home. But you know that you know that's how I used to do it. Uh, when I was just, uh, you know, kind of blogging on my own. And um, so it was kind of fun to be able to do that and be around my family and everything and, and not have to leave the day after Christmas, like I normally do uh, with, with two young kids. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, the last few days, obviously when you, when you get to the medal round, it's, it, it, you know, there's a little, it's spread out a little bit. You have the quarterfinals and you have a little bit of a break and then you've got the semifinals and finals. And, and those two days are just like nonstop. And obviously, you know, late nights with it being in mountain time, um, you know, I'm writing stories last night. I wrote a game story. I obviously had to wait, you know, for both teams to get on the, the zooms after an hour after the game, you know, I probably shut her down around two 30, uh, two <laughs> 30 AM and then got up at six. Cause you know, I had to get my kids to school. So, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, the way things go. Uh, but yeah, but it, it was a lot of fun to do because I think, you know, with the bubble, um, and, and the fact that there were not many games, obviously there's no hot, no other hockey games for people to kind of pay attention to. Um, on major TV uh, that, that gave the world juniors a lot of attention um, that it normally wouldn't have had. So I think that there are a lot of people that were really dialed into last night's game and, 
And, and that was awesome to see. Um, I've been covering the tournament uh, really since 2011. I've been involved at, at, the, at the U.S. level since 2007. Um, you know, I used to work for USA Hockey and then, you know, been in the media since 2011, World Juniors, essentially. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, was, uh, it was fun to watch. It was a great tournament, a great game, and uh, great performances by a lot of prospects. So, uh, yeah, but not a lot of sleep. I'd imagine two kids definitely throws quite the yeah I'm used the to layer it, of so. <laughs> um, go ahead, Kevin. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, t- tell us more about yourself. Um, I we just don't know you personally yet, but it's good to get you on Zoom and get good to see your face and talk to you. But yeah, where are you from? Like, how did you get to where you are? Besides diving into starting with USA Hockey in 2011, how did you get to there even? Uh, yeah, well, I, I actually grew up on the southwest side of Chicago. Uh, my dad was on the Chicago Fire Department, so um, uh, we we lived uh, just inside the city limits on the southwest side, and um, you know, so I I was uh, you know grew up, grew up a Blackhawks fan, so uh, you know you're you're we're among friends here, um, and uh, and yeah, so I, I mean I grew up playing hockey. Um, I wasn't good at all. I mean I started late, and then I never really improved. Um, uh, but I always loved the sport. And, uh, you know, my dad was was one of my coaches and you know, I, I played like JV at Mount Carmel High School. That was where I went to school. And, uh, um, you know, so I wasn't I wasn't good, but I, I loved the game. And um, when I went to Iowa State uh, for college, you know, they had the club program there. Um, and I, I didn't really, you know, I, I I thought about, you know, maybe trying out for their JV team and seeing if I could continue my junior varsity career (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Uh, But ultimately I decided to, uh, they had an opportunity to to do um, a video uh, for the team. They needed somebody to do video and they were looking for journalism students. And um, since I wanted to do TV and broadcast, I thought, well, yeah, sure. And this will be a a way to marry two, two things. And it started just by doing game film. And then the second year I did play by play. I did uh, PR. I did all kinds of different things for the team. Um, I created highlight videos and stuff like that for, you know, hype videos for the players, like before big tournaments and things, things like that. Um, essentially, it was like the assistant general manager in my second year where I was doing all kinds of business operations. And um, I spent that whole year basically trying to get an internship with USA Hockey. They had the, the Brian Fishman internship, which is in public relations there. Um, and uh, and I just dedicated myself to doing whatever I could to gain experience to, to be able to get that internship. Um and uh, I was lucky enough to get it. Um, I, you know, I, it's a pretty competitive internship that's only gotten more competitive over the years, just because um, most of the people that have had those jobs, you know, eventually got a full-time job in hockey, like right out after that. Um, and my first full-time job was at the National Team Development Program um, after the internship. The job opened up there to do the PR for them. I was there from 2008 to 2010. Um, and then my wife, uh, lost her job in Michigan and she's an engineer and she's, uh, you know, she's, she's, she, she makes the paper for this family. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, we decided to move back. She's originally from Iowa. So I actually been living in Iowa for the last, uh, 11 years, um, which has been, uh, been crazy. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I went to Iowa state, so I was familiar with the state. I really do like living here. Um, it's no Chicago, you know, I still pine for, uh, for Chicago, uh, but it's not far. And, um, and so, yeah. And, and so because of that, like the whole career was disrupted um, and there, I was stewing about it. I was like, how the heck am I going to continue my career? How am I going to stay in hockey? I mean, I, this is the sport that I love. This is what I want to do. I worked so hard to get that internship. 
so I started a blog. <laughs> you know, like, like, oh yeah, sure. You know, like basically, I, I that was I the time period too. To like start yeah, exactly. Out. So yeah, so I mean, 2010, and it started. I started it. So so really, I started the blog 10 years ago. Um, but as of December, I think it was December 15th, 2010. What did you name um, the blog? It was the United States of Hockey, and so it was UnitedStatesOfHockey.com, nice. which was, uh, and, and you know what I found was nobody else was really covering the world junior championship. And since I was at USA hockey, since I was at the national team development program, I knew that nobody knew the talent pool for the U S better than I did. So I could provide a lot of insight that you really weren't going to get anywhere else. And really nobody cared as much about the tournament as, as I did at that point, just because it wasn't really part of the U S consciousness. It had only been on TV for a couple of years. And then 2010 happens and John Carlson makes that tournament matter to people in the U S um, uh, and that, that was such a great moment for that tournament. And it's really only grown since then. So I did that blog for a few years. I eventually got the attention of CBS sports and uh, they asked me to be an NHL writer for them for two years, uh, on a part-time basis. And then they put me on contract. Uh, then I lost that job. Uh, cause this is, a, this is a bit of a theme here, uh, as you'll find in the media business is that you send, you, you get jobs and you, you love them and then you lose them. Um, uh, and so did that. And then, um, I was out of hockey for 10 months. I decided I, you know, I didn't think the sports media industry was going to be, uh, safe enough for, for, you know, raising two kids with. And, um, and I, I got out and I went to the university of Iowa and worked in their communications department, uh, not even on the sports side, just on the school side, um, for a year. And, uh, I was in enemy territory. I'm wearing my Iowa state hat right, yeah, right? now. So it was a little bit, uh, a little bit sketchy, uh, uh me being there, but, um, the, the, the crazy thing happened. I mean, one of my best friends in the business is Corey Promen, who works at the athletic and, and he was at ESPN at the time. And, and he was making the decision to go, whether he would go to the, the athletic or stay at ESPN. And it's like, dude, I would stay, <laughs> you know, if the athletic was brand new at this point, it was really uncertain, like kind of what it was going to be. And I was like, wow, I guess I was uh, wrong on that one. But, uh, but anyway, you know, he, he decided to leave. Um, I respect the, the risk that he took too. Cause I mean, like, you know, he, but it was an opportunity to do this job and, he left and uh, he said, I think they're going to call you because I had been doing a lot of the prospect stuff with USA Hockey, United States of Hockey. And then also at CBS Sports, they initially hired me to do draft coverage. So I had actually done draft rankings and things like that. And then eventually I had morphed into basically focusing more on the NHL. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So basically uh, ESPN did call me. Um, they hired me. I was basically a freelance writer for the first year. And then the second year they put me on contract and um uh, and everything was going great until the pandemic hit. And, uh, when they slashed, you know, 300 jobs, I was one of them. Uh, so I'm under contract until February 10th. And then, uh, after that, I'm back on the market again. Uh, cause that's the way that goes, but I mean, that's, that's the path and it's so weird how it works. You know, you take these winding roads and, and I think a lot of people, you know, it's really hard when you see things like ESPN, like obviously, you know, a company that seems invincible get hit with layoffs like that. And it's really discouraging, but I think that you know, it's all cyclical. I think some things are going to come back and some things are going to be, you know, some jobs won't. I don't know if ESPN will have a draft person, you know, going forward. Um, but, you know, it was a dream job. I loved it. I'm going to miss it. Um, but, you know, that's just the nature of the business. You have to be ready to adapt. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, started, I uh, started in the south, Southwest side in, in the Mount Greenwood neighborhood is where I grew up. And then, uh, and then we, uh, we got here and now I'm, now I'm an unemployed writer in North Liberty, Iowa. So, uh, 
batting a thousand. By the way, you have such a South side story. Like same thing, like my family all from the Southwest side, just at near Midway. My dad went to Mount yeah. Carmel. It's like everyone, no everyone has a firefighter <laughs> or a cop in the family. Yeah, yeah. That's right. The West side. But also yep. Iowa, tell these guys the quad city mall with the hockey rink in it. Have you been there? Yeah, I, I've been, I've been there and I've been in that. We, we have, we, we have a lot of malls with rinks. Apparently. <laughs> so, so, so Kevin was not lying when he told us, this is what you're telling no, us. No, no. I mean, well, the university of Iowa's club hockey team plays in uh, or they did. Now they're actually going to have a real, or they're going to play where the Cedar Rapids rough riders play as well. Um, but yeah, they play their games in the mall. And I actually did a story about club hockey and I included Iowa for the sole purpose that their arena was in a mall. And <laughs> one of the guys, the kid, the kid that I talked to gave me the best quote ever. He's like, yeah, we play in a mall. People chirp us all the time, but we still have the best food court in the league. So I was like, <laughs> that is, that is like, that is, uh, that is money. That's making the best of a good situation. And they do, they have, they have, they have, they have Chick-fil-A there. So, I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> there you go. Did you um? I have to ask before you transition here. What club did you play for in Chicagoland when you were a kid? Oh, geez. Um. Well, I was. I mostly played house league, so I played in home with Flossmore. Uh. That's where I. That's where I played. Um. I started with the Chicago Hawks. Uh. Okay. Doing like learn to play, and then I quit because I, like I was I, at that point I was like five, and so I was like that. That was like a normal time to start. And uh, I got so scared playing with the bigger kids that I I, I went away from it. I didn't come back until I was nine. And I just played in like Oakland house league and I played in HF house. And yeah, so I was, that's, that's how good I was. I was playing house league and then I made, you know, made the JV team. So, you know, and, and when I went, when I went into high school at Mount Carmel, I was, I was five foot two, 120 Ooh. pounds my freshman year of, of high school. And, uh, I'd be that's not, too. Yeah, and yeah. slow, not a good combination. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it was great. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything because those times at HF ice arena, um, so we're, we're getting even deeper into the South side at that point. Uh, you know, that's, that was, uh, a great spot to be. And, um, I, I just remember going to like Mount Carmel and Marist games there, uh, and just the place just being an absolute zoo, uh, for high school hockey. And, uh, it was such a, such a cool time to grow up in, in Chicago and, uh, the Blackhawks at that point were, were good, you know, like in the 90, 93, 94, you know, that era they were good and, and people were loving hockey in Chicago at that point. Um, and then the dark times came, but, <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, they're the, the brighter days are here and now they're kind of gone again, but kind of, uh, kind of gone again. Yeah. But it'll be all right. We'll be back. So, so we didn't know you were a Chicago guy. Um, so we did want to ask you about a, a Chicago player and I think it makes sense to jump right into it. So Kirby doc, yeah. obviously right off the bat got hurt wasn't able to continue playing um and is going to miss you know most likely the whole season um we are very torn and by we i mean me kevin and jordan are very torn on if the blackhawks should have allowed him to play um jordan and i believe they did the right thing he should have been there great leadership opportunity um kevin believes that an injury like that is the reason why he shouldn't have been playing Not Chris, what, what do you what do you think I my let me rephrase okay. I, always, I always respect and honor a player wanting to play for his country i'll never dishonor that it was more of the intangibles of was that part of his career over or not and should yeah. he just focus on the next step yeah i you know that's that's something that i've debated a lot myself and i think that the fact that kirby wanted to go and asked to go mm -hmm. is the reason why i'm a little which is something that i didn't realize at the time when it yeah. happened, I did, I wasn't really following up on that, but you know, I 
obviously know now that that's something that he wanted to do. Um, and that is, that is where I, I changed my mind a little bit because initially knowing how he plays and knowing the risk. It, so I, I thought to allow him to play, the risk was higher, far, far higher. I thought of him getting coronavirus than it was breaking his wrist. I mean, or whatever, ha- you know, like having a severe wrist injury. Um, and of course the play that happened, it was a harmless play. Um, I, I think that when you're, when you're the Blackhawks in the position that you're in right now, Kirby doc is one of your most important players. Um, and, and so my initial thought was it's poor asset management to allow one of your best players to go. Now, the other argument on that side is that the Blackhawks aren't going anywhere anyway. And the risk that you take is marginal and giving him an opportunity to win something. Uh, Canada didn't win uh, in case you guys missed it. Uh, but you know, <laughs> but you know, but I mean, maybe they would have, if he were, if he was there, but I think that the opportunity for him to be the captain of that team, the oppor- you know, the opportunity to, to, to dominate, I think he was past that part of his career. You know, like, I think like Jack Hughes actually said that yeah, 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 he's yeah. like, he's like, I, I, that part of my career is over. And I think, uh, as my computer just like blinks at me and beeps at me a thousand times here as my updates that don't update go, um, you know, Jack, Jack Hughes said that. And, and, and that was the first, I hadn't really even considered that, you know, like the fact that I'm done with that part, I need to focus now on getting ready. The world juniors is a good opportunity. The pace that it's, it's the closest thing, even, I think even beyond AHL and, and, and KHL, I think the world juniors is the fastest pace outside of the NHL. Um, you know, I think, and then you take it to the Olympics and that's above the NHL, you know, when it's us Canada, that's, you know, so like there's, there are tiers to it. But I think when you have the best players in your age group, you know, the speed is incredible. And I thought this tournament was incredibly fast. So all those things are helpful. However, the way that doc played, and I know like I'm meandering around my thought process here, but the, the way that doc played at the, in the bubble against Edmonton and, you know, in, in the, in the playoff series where, where, where he had an opportunity to be a leading offensive player, he looked like an NHL player, not just a, not just a rookie that was fighting to, you know, keep his head above water. He was dictating at, at that. And, and so to, to go back, like, you know, it was almost like he was kind of going backwards a little bit. Um, but again, punching down. I think, yeah. 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 A little bit, but I mean, like, you know, I think there's, there's value to it. I think you know, totally. Dylan cousins, Dylan cousins and Trevor Zegers, two guys that are going to, you know, be attempting to make their NHL teams this year had phenomenal world junior tournaments. I think that that's going to allow them to, 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 to speed into these seasons. And that could have happened with Kirby doc as well. Um, but yeah, but I, I think that ultimately the the way long way around that I just, you know, kind of explained through that, I think the fact that he wanted to do it, I do think you have to respect the player wanting to go play for his country. I think that you have to get, you know, if that's an opportunity that he feels is going to help him, he knows his development better than anybody else. And if he thought that, that was the opportunity, then I, I don't, I don't, you know, it, it, the, the end result was awful. Um, yeah. but this is exactly why Alexi Lafreniere did not go. Jack Hughes did not go. Capo Caco did not go. I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of guys that could have gone that did not. And, you know, to see it happen in a pre-tournament game. I mean, that was just, it, it was, it was the absolute worst case scenario. I, I totally agree. And you're so right on the money. Like him asking to go is definitely the difference maker. I, and you're so right on the money with, He's so incredibly important to this team now, but the future of the Blackhawks and 
playing NHL games a whole season is definitely something that's important, not just the players, but all the Blackhawks staff who rely on the success of the team. Right. 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 Yeah. And and yeah, just to, just to kind of reiterate that, I mean, like the, 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 the thing that concerns me now, if we're now, now that we don't have to use hindsight and whether or not it was the, the right or wrong answer, the thing that concerns me now is that for Kirby doc, this is potentially a lost year of development. You know, this is potentially an opportunity for him to take the next step forward, to be ready. Now, the good news is, is that his contract could potentially slide. So you're, you're not, you, you won't lose that ELC year if he doesn't end up playing. So that's the benefit, but it, but the real downside is that he was stronger. He was more physical. He was faster. Um, You know, I watched the pre-tournament games and I was like, holy smokes, he's, he's even better than he was in the bubble. Um, So get ready. And here he, here he comes. And now you have to rehab, you have to maintain your conditioning. You have to, once you come back, you have to get up to speed. I mean, these are all things that he's going to have to adjust to. So that's one of the things I think is now the concern for the Blackhawks is that you have to manage this injury and manage this rehab on one of the, you know, what would have been a significant and crucial year in his development. So sticking on Kirby Doc, so a year and a half ago, or, you know, year and eight months when we drafted him third overall, you know, I had seen his name put there a couple of times, but personally, I was surprised when he went number three. So were you surprised when the Hawks took him at third? And at the time, what did you think about the pick? Did you think that was a stretch? Not knowing what we know now, having seen him yeah. in the last 18 years. Yeah, so it didn't it didn't surprise me because I I had I had kind of started hearing through the rumor mill that it was going to be down to him. Um and, and you know, I think they were looking at Turcotte and, and Byram as well in that slot. Um and I think that the attractiveness of a six foot four center um was, you know kind of you know six three whatever you know he, he he was he was big he had he had raw potential um you know on my personal board on espn right before the draft um he he was he was at three and then i flipped him in turcotte <laughs> so like but not on a mock draft but on my personal ranking and i think you know if i were to go back and redo that with hindsight obviously we would flip it back the other way um where Kirby dot goes three so i thought it was the right pick um one, especially after, you know, I, I, you know, I talked to some people and, you know, and obviously I'd seen Kirby doc quite a bit that season. And I, you know, I kept coming back. Like I was, there were a few times where I was a little concerned about his skating, you know, in terms of his, his, his short, short distance quickness and, and, and burst. Um, you know, I thought that at times, you know, he could be a little more deliberate in his skating stride. And it, it bothered me a little bit just because I, I thought that, you, you know, to play at the NHL level at an effective way, you have to have, you know, quick twitch kind of like, you know, get after it. I think we've seen him develop that over the last couple of years. I thought it was absolutely the right pick at the time. Um, you know, especially after kind of securing some of the justifications for it. Um, you know, but yeah, he was right in that range for me when it's three and four on my personal board, that's splitting hairs for me. Um, you know, I think that, you know, what we've seen from Alex Turcotte is continued development. Bowen Byram, same thing. They're both going to be NHL players and they're both going to be significant pieces, but to have Kirby Doc's physical package, you know, in terms of his size, his his hockey sense, his puck skills, um, you know, the fact that he has gotten quicker, um, it's really hard. Guys like him just don't come along very often. I think, like, you know, he's the guy that Arizona thought Dylan Strom was going to be when they drafted him. 
you know, like that's kind of, he's it, like he's the real deal. Um, so, uh, and, and, and Dylan Strom had a, a, a more impressive junior career than Kirby Doc did because, but then Kirby Doc ended up making the NHL right out of his draft year. And you were playing and with I, McDavid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, and, and I didn't, I, I was more surprised to see that he started the season with the Blackhawks than I was that they took him at number three. I didn't think that was, I was like, especially after the injury and training camp, I'm like, how is this guy going to, or in the rookie camp or whatever, how is he going to be ready to play at the NHL pace? And, and he wasn't right off the bat, but he developed, over, he, he's proof that you can develop over the course of an NHL season, which is something that some people doubt and why guys go to the AHL, why, you know, why teams send guys back to junior. Um, so I personally thought that we would see him go back to junior hockey and he would, and I don't think that would have hurt him. I don't think he would have been in any different a spot than he is right now. Although having played in the bubble and having playoff experience now, that's something he wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. So, um, so I think that, you know, ultimately they've made really good decisions with him, maybe with the exception of, you know, allowing him to go to the world juniors and get hurt and all that, you know, again, hindsight 2018, 2020 on that. But yeah, but I mean, like, I really do think that, that, you know, ultimately what, what they've been doing with him, has been the right thing for the most part, including picking him third. Teams have been letting the kids play in the last couple of years. I think it's not just like NHL Sweden getting game reps. I think it's just the amount of practice they have with legacy players is just so huge for their early development. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, like I've, I've heard from multiple people, you know, it's, it's easier to look better at the NHL level than it is at the AHL level. You know, some guys are going to develop more. Um, playing with those great players, you know, having the opportunity to play on the line with Patrick Kane at times, having the opportunity to take reps on the first power play unit. I mean, all those things are going to matter and they all add up. And then also just being around them. I think, you know, what we're going to see with the, with the, you know, the way the pandemic is making things with these taxi squads and the fact that junior hockey hasn't started yet, more of those players are going to be exposed to that experience at the NHL level because of being on you know, taxi squads are being able to play in the AHL a year earlier than they were supposed to, you know, all those different things matter. Um, you know, you have to be ready to do those kinds of things. You have to be able to uh, handle the, the pressure that comes with that. You have to be able to, to handle the grind and you, and you have to earn your spot in the NHL. You cannot, I, I, I firmly believe you cannot just hand things to players. You have, they don't have to be perfect, but you can't just hand them things you have to let them earn it. And, I think that this this pandemic kind of season is going to allow teams to say, you know, to Dylan Cousins, you've got a long leash at, in Buffalo. Uh, you know, I think Ian Mitchell with Chicago is going to be one of those guys where it's like, you know, you've got we're, we're, we have time. We have the flexibility with the taxi squad and whatever else in terms of salary cap. You're going to have time to, to be with this this NHL club. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it is so important for the young players to see what it takes to be a professional from the guys that do it. And, um, it's, it's just as important for those, for the organizations that those players, those, those veteran players, you know, kind of take those guys under their wings and show them the way to, uh, to a brighter NHL future. Chris, we're going to let you brag for a second here. So you just talked about <laughs> doc in the spot you had him in, um, you obviously know what you're doing. You've been doing this for a decade and I'm genuinely curious about this. Can you tell us one player that you were all in on before anyone else was in their early days while they were kind of coming up through the systems? Uh, 
<laughs> Tell us about who yeah. that player is. He's like, oh, I got a notebook. Yeah. Yeah. The first, the first one, um, was kind of cheating for me. Um, the first one was Brandon Saad. Um, and so Brandon Saad was at the national team program. My last year there, he came in, he joined us a year after he played in, in the North American league and we called him the man child. So that started before he was at, well, yeah, he, that, that started with like, yeah, he started before. Um, but that's the impression that he left on people. Uh, Brandon had this move at the, at the, when he was at the NTDP where he'd come down the right wing um, on his backhand and uh, and just power past the defenseman and flip a backhand <laughs> and it almost always went in. Um, and um, he got hurt in his draft season and he, he didn't have a great season in Saginaw. And going into that season, he was a projected number five pick. Like people are like, this guy's top 10, no question. Um, and then he goes mid second. Um, and I actually saw him the day that he was drafted um, you know, I just said, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I had been out of USA hockey for a year. He was at Saginaw that year. So we hadn't seen each other in a while. And I, you know, I just went up to him and I was like, you're you know, I mean, uh, like, you know, I said, it, it sucks. Like, I'm sorry that this happened, but I was like, you're going to go early today and, and you're going to land in a great spot, not realizing that, you know, it was going to be Chicago. Um, and, uh, you know, he was a guy that, you know, I mean, He's, he's got his Stanley Cups. He's got, you know, he's he's had some great seasons. He's had his ups and downs. But that was a guy that, you know, for a second-round pick, I think he's had had a career of a first-round pick um, so far. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I've always I've always had a, a admiration for him um, and, and just kind of believing based on what I had seen. And this is early in my career where I wasn't really much of a talent evaluator at that point. Um, but – but he was one of the guys that made me believe that I knew a little bit enough to see past injuries and knowing the player and knowing the character and knowing, knowing their, their whole ability. Um, and I would say more recently, you know, I had, had Nick Robertson who the Maple Leafs took 59th overall. I had him as number 19 on my board and he was, you know, he played in the bubble this year with Toronto. He has a really good chance to, to make the team out of camp scored 55 goals last season for Peterborough um highest highest goals per game um in the ohl since 1994 i think um you know and that's another guy where you know he was considered too small um he was considered you know like you, you know didn't didn't have enough strength didn't have the skating ability um what i saw was a player with an elite release a player that that was tenacious a player that did not play down to his size who engaged physically who, uh, you know, back checked as hard as anybody as an offensive player. He dug for pucks. Um, and I also had the opportunity at the combine to sit across the table from him and talk to him for 20 minutes. And we had, I think we had allotted for 15 and we ended up talking for almost a half hour. And it was just what I, what I learned in that meeting with this player is that Nick Robertson knows exactly who he is as a hockey player. He knows exactly what he needs to do to get better. And he does not, care about the outside noise. I think he listens to it, but he doesn't take enough stock into it to believe what other people say about him. And um, he's an incredible story. He was one of the youngest, you know, uh, or one of, one of the youngest players in his draft year too. You know, he was born, he was actually born on September 11th, 2001. I mean, like wow. this is, this is a kid and, and, and had to fight for his life as a baby, even, you know, like, I mean, he was born mm -hmm. prematurely. Um, and 
I have so much respect for him as a player. I have respect for his family and the way that, you know, he was raised. Um, and, uh, he is, uh, he's one of those guys that I really can't wait to follow his career. Now he hasn't made it yet. I'm not trying to say that I, that I, you know, he, he still has to make it at the NHL level, but that's a guy that I, that I believed very early on after seeing him at the Holinka Gretzky cup and seeing what he could do, um, that he was going to be a much higher draft or he, he was, he was not going to go as high as I thought he should. And so I had him as basically a top 20 pick and he went 59th and, and has only, succeeded since then so uh, and that's another guy the u.s could have had as well uh for the for the worlds but he was not allowed to come so thanks thanks for well i mean they won gold but you know it's, yeah right yeah nice try canada nice <laughs> <try>. <laughs> they yeah. did what they thought They're they needed to do and it yeah. wasn't enough <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh man oh, oh what else was I thinking? I had a question on the fly. I completely forgot about it. You got something, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. we'll go. We'll so, go. Go ahead, Jordan. Okay, kind of, you know, piggybacking off that. Another player the Hawks have, smaller guy who uh, didn't go in the first round, um, Alex DeBrinkit. Where did you have him on your personal board? Ah, uh, geez. Uh, so that was when I was at CBS, and I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure I didn't do a straight ranking, but I did a mock draft that year, and I did have him going in the the in the 20s i'm pretty sure um and so that was a little different because that that year i was covering the nhl more so i wasn't as involved in the prospects but he obviously i knew his game um you know he he was a player that i had a lot of respect for um you know the the fact that he played at lake forest academy um you know was like this like just weird thing where it's like when i saw that and i saw that like nobody came out of there really like not a lot of guys would go on to play in the OHL or college hockey or in the USHL like that, that's not a prep school that you've heard a lot about um and here's this kid from Michigan that came to Lake Forest Academy and 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 made it and um you know I had watched his games and I think that you you know you see a lot of the same things with him as, as we saw last year with, with Cole or two years ago with Cole Caulfield where undersized but his spatial awareness and his ability to pop into space and to get lost in the offensive zone and just you know find the net um, is elite. And that, that to me, the reason that, that I think that that matters, it's not just about the shot. It's not about the goal totals that shows me hockey sense. That shows me that a guy knows, understands where he needs to be and puts himself in a position to be dangerous at all times. And, and he can score from distance. He can co- score from in tight. He never shied away from the physical game. He wasn't overwhelmed. His skating, you know, has been one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, can it be better? Yeah, sure. But, but, just like, you know, we saw with, with Caulfield in the years past and, 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 you know, this is a guy that just completely understands de- the way defense is set up in the offensive zone uh, against his team. He knows where he needs to be. He knows how to slip away from, from pressure. He knows how to get to the net. Um, and so that was always impressive to me about uh, where he was. So to me, you, sometimes we, we overthink things in like, you know, evaluators always do where you just, you just, you discount what you see. And what we saw was three straight 50 goal seasons in the OHL. I mean, well, at that point two um, in his draft year, and you're just like, how do we, you know, that's, that's, that's meaningful. It's not, it's not nothing. There are plenty of guys that had great junior careers and great numbers that never amounted to anything in the NHL. 
But you can pick those guys out because usually it's a hockey sense problem. Usually they had physical ability that was going to exceed what they could do mentally. And if you don't have hockey sense, you can't play in the NHL. You just can't. And and to me, that was the separating factor for Alex to bring it is that he understood how to play the game offensively to score goals at the next level. And then obviously we've seen that now it's hard to sustain that over long periods of time. And you have to be, you have to add more to your game. And I think he's been doing that. I think that he's added strength. He's been, he's, you know, he, he's more committed in the defensive zone. I think there are things that he needs to improve on still, but he's still a young player. And I think what he's done in his career, he can be very proud of. Um, I don't think that we've seen his best season yet. That's fair. Chris, we're going to, we're going to bring it home here with some, some hypothetical questions here because sure. I want to respect your time. Um, I have two young ones at home. I'll be up at 4 a.m. getting a bottle ready, but I wasn't up <laughs> till 2.30 a.m. Yeah. About hockey last night, so I respect what you're doing here. Um, so first question we have here for you. If you could take any athlete from any other sport and put them in the NHL, who would you pick that would be the best? Ooh, who would I pick to be the best? That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think for, for a while, my standard answer was J.J. Watt. Um, just he is I a see what, slap shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I want to see what that looks like at the uh, <laughs> what a player of that magnitude looks like on skates. I mean, I think that like prime Milan Lucic is like similar in size, but but like it's you know I I think that uh, you know that that would be interesting. Um, is it still JJ Watt? Like that's a solid answer. Can you? I imagine guess that yeah. Guy we'll stick skates? with it. We'll stick. I mean, you know, he's a Wisconsin guy. He's kind of can be a ham and egg or he can probably, you know, score, you know, he's, I, I remember learning like, you know, and the interesting thing about Watt is he said, you know, his heroes growing up was, was the Wisconsin hockey team. You know, he, he loved the Wisconsin Badgers hockey team. Um, and so that was, that was, that was one of his first favorite teams. So hockey has always had a kind of a close place in JJ's heart. And we've seen him on skates before um, can, with his dedication to, to, to fitness and, and to, to, to hard work and everything. And, 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 you know, I mean, he's also got, you know, his, his wife plays in Chicago too. You know I mean? Yeah. I can see him in a Blackhawks jersey. You're really hoping I mean, you why not up. give him a shot? Give him a shot, right? <laughs> I guess hope you'd say uh, Vince Wilfark at goalie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. That's Just a really good answer. Yeah. Just I like that one. <laughs> <Just sit. laughs> All right. All right, Chris, we got one more and it's, it's a little bit better than that, but very similar. Okay. Same question, but worst player in the NHL. Worst player, like for an athlete to so be take, the... take an athlete from any sport, that would be the worst if they went and played in the NHL. Uh, I would say Boban in, uh, in the NBA. What's his, what's his, how do you say his last name? Boban. Uh, oh my God. I have no idea. Uh, it's just, it's just like proportionally it wouldn't work. On ice. <laughs> like, like it's not my custom made equipment. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've like, I've started to get into the NBA a little bit more over the last couple of years and just like watching the way guys move. And, um, you know, what he does is totally fine on a, on a basketball court, but I, I think that, you know, like he'd be, if he were a defenseman, he'd be getting turnstiled every five seconds. And, uh, if he were, if he were forward, he'd, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I, 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 I want to see, I want to try and, and actually get his last name here. Cause I, I know that like, yeah, Mar- yeah Maranovic, Maranovic, I'm going to say Maranovic. We, uh, we think but that's yeah. Right too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 
the bit the bit yeah seven foot four serbian so i don't maybe he could be the goal you know what maybe he could be the goalie but then i think you're you know we're talking about reflexes quick twitch muscles yeah, I don't think it would work. At that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big long strides mean something, guys. That's true. That's true. He's <laughs> through the. He's over the stick. Yeah. over the blue, over the red, and two stri- in one stride. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there, Chris. We want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, super fun having you here. Love hearing all yeah. the analysis you have of the players too. Yeah, uh, no, I appreciate my, it very my much. Pleasure. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure, guys. It's a lot of fun and. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice after, uh, after staying up late and just like, I think my heart rate was at about, you know, once one fifteen for like the entire entirety of the game <laughs> and then into the work. And so I was like, I was worried my watch was going to start saying, are you exercising? But obviously it's not that I was just sitting there. Um, so yeah, but, uh, but yeah, this was a lot of fun and a great way to come off the world juniors and yeah, and stay, stay well. And, uh, in 2021 guys, it's uh, great to be with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thank you as well. All right.